right now. Today is the day that you choose to change the rest of your life. It is time to turn your setback into the greatest comeback story ever told. And nobody is more capable than you. This is the Ranting Weight Watcher Podcast, the future number one weight loss podcast in the world. I am your host, Donato Russo. I hope you enjoy the show today. If this is your first time here and you enjoy the show, please subscribe and spread the word of the Ranting Weight Watcher podcast wherever you are and to whomever will listen. If you'd like to connect on social media or wherever else, check out my Linktree page, Linktree forward slash the Ranting Weight Watcher. Let's connect today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 138 of the Ranting Weight Watcher podcast. If this is your first time here, I hope you enjoy the show. Please consider subscribing. But most of all, if it's done something for you to help you, if this show has helped you in any way, please help support the show. Share it with anybody you know that's in the same position as us. That's the only way to really support this show. Share it with everyone you know that would benefit from its message. Well, I have a ton to talk about today. Let's get into this! Journey Updates We are down this week 2.6 pounds. For the month of April, we are down a total of 6.2 pounds. Total lost since January 2019, 160.8 pounds. I got to tell you, I have never been so happy to see the number six in all of my life. It, has, it feels good to be making progress, that's for sure. Pounds remaining to get to 175 milestone is 14.2. Pounds remaining to get to the 200-pound milestone is 39.2. For the consistency challenge, week 23 ended in success. We are on to the final week, week 24. No changes are being made. We are just going to ride this out. When we are done with this, we're going to be exploring a new workout. So I won't be sticking with Leslie Sansone, and I'm not sure how the new workout works. It's not going to be a thing where you can only do it, you know, two or three days of the week. It's kind of like organizing a a process. You have to go through, it's like five days a week. So I'm going to make the transition, and we'll see what happens from there. Week three of my transition to macros ended in success all five days. No worries whatsoever on that. And our weekly average of calories was 22.8 per day. The goal is 2,300, so we are within goal. And baseline was at 2,600, so definitely better doing better than baseline. Protein. Average for the week three was 239 grams per day. The goal is 229 grams per day. 
Baseline week was 188 grams per day. Week three, carb average was 214 grams per day. The carb goal is 144 grams per day. And baseline was 406 grams per day. Week three, fat average was 64 grams per day. The goal for fat is 90 grams per day. And baseline was 45.8 grams per day. We have improvement on protein. We basically stayed the same for carbs. And we have improvement on fat. Because I believe last week we were at 63. There was only one day where there was anything to report for a notable moment. I wanted a cup of Cheerios in my yogurt one day this week. Rather than last week, I think it was three days. So that's, that's definitely an improvement there. I got to say, at this point, I feel like I'm in a routine again. It doesn't feel so new anymore. I, I'm not guessing. Now it's just like a numbers game. Once I plug in all the, the weights of all of the things I'm eating, then I know I could start playing with what weight is going to be the protein and or the side dish of my dinner. And then I could tell and say, hey, look, the, day, the, the number's at 13 ounces today. I'll know that before basically before lunchtime. So the transition as a whole has gotten much easier to say the least. I've had no sugar issues this week, so that's a good thing to report. I'm still at a bit of a loss as to how a couple of weeks ago my sugar crashed so bad. I have not been able to recreate it, so I'm not going to keep trying. It just seems... Uh, it just seems like a moot point at this at this point. I have the tool necessary to measure my sugar at any given moment I wish to, I desire to, and I'll just keep using that. I have an appointment with my doctor in June. Whatever comes of that, we can. I'll talk to him about what my findings were and see what he says about that, and we'll go from there. So the title of this episode is When the Bill Comes Due. Now, I don't know how you feel about credit cards, but I'm going to use this analogy and either you're going to relate to it or you're not going to relate to it, but just hang with me either way, okay? Do you remember getting your first credit card? I remember... The first time I got a credit card. I remember feeling like I accomplished something. Like receiving a credit card was part of becoming an adult. See, this is how, (laughs) this is how brainwashed a lot of us in the world are. That being able to get yourself in debt at any given moment is an accomplishment. (laughs) I don't know if it's just me who thought that. Maybe I'm just the crazy one. But when I received my first credit card, I remember feeling this. I felt like I was accomplished and I felt like I was becoming an adult. 
And when I first got it, I thought to myself, okay, we're going to be really good with this. I'm going to be mature about it. I decided to give myself some rules in order to build a credit history. And those rules were like, okay, only use it for gasoline. And then at the end of the month, make sure you pay the whole thing off. And then that's it. You just keep paying for gas and keep paying it off each month. Well, some time went by and I was good at first. And then you get comfortable and you start to bend rules. So it's not just gasoline anymore. Now you're buying the occasional something at Walmart or the, the clothing store, whatever it is. But you're still paying the whole thing every month. But then bending the rules becomes a broken rule. You decide you really deserve something. So you go and make a big expenditure. But you say, okay, it's just a one-time thing. Just a one-time thing. And you're able to pay the entire bill off again. Doing all of this gives you a confidence that you've been able to maturely use a credit card even though you bent the rules, even though you broke a rule, you were able to maturely, for the most part, use a credit card. Well, then, at that point, all rules are off the table. You become so incredibly confident that you know what you're doing, the rules you gave yourself just fly out the window. And you start making purchases Because it feels good. You just want to keep making purchases. But at the end of that month, you get the bill. And then everything goes into chaos. Because you're going, what the hell was I thinking? And there's no way you're going to pay the entire bill off now. So now you're worried about how much of it can you pay off. And now interest comes into play. And you end up in a cycle of trying to get yourself out of debt because you broke the rules that you set for yourself. If you can relate to what the story I just told here, then you're right here with me. If you can't, I'm sorry, but I'm sure you'll be able to catch up. No worries. See, we go through a similar cycle in regards to our health and weight loss. We join a program and we apply the rules and guidelines of the program into our life. We adapt our lifestyle to the health and weight loss guidelines of the program we've chosen. We achieve some success. We feel accomplished. You decide that being so accomplished, you're allowed to splurge a little bit. 
and enjoy life a little bit. But you give yourself some rules. You say, all right, look, I can't avoid going out to dinner with my friends anymore. So I'm going to go out to dinner, but I'm going to give myself some rules. This way, you don't feel like an outcast and you are doing real-life scenarios and dealing with it with a healthy lifestyle. As time goes by, your confidence builds. You say, hey, I'm really working this thing. And you get comfortable. Then you decide to bend the rules. You indulge a little bit. When you're going out to dinner with friends, you decide to have dessert. It's okay. It's one time. And then you outright break the rule. Not only do you have a dessert, but you chose a dinner that wasn't exactly a healthy choice. But you gave yourself some grace and you got back to work. No harm, no foul. But at some point, you felt like you were so good at it, the rules, they vanished. And then, weigh-in day. The bill came due. And suddenly, all of the splurging comes to your mind the minute you step on the scale and you see the number didn't go the way you planned it to go. Now, why did I tell you all this? On episode 137 release day, the bill came due for me. It was any typical Friday. I start my work day. The podcast has been released. I get a lot of comments on that on those days. I get a lot of messages. As I'm going through the normal motions of a Friday morning, eventually I talk to one of the listeners and a member of the Consistency Challenge group, Charlotte. And she had just heard the podcast, says, oh, it's a great podcast and all this stuff. And casually in the conversation, she had no idea what she was saying to me at the time. She said one sentence, and it was like I was, she blew my mind. But she connected hyperglycemia with the gastric bypass surgery. So I did a quick Google search and I typed gastric bypass surgery and hypoglycemia. So I have an article I want to read. It's six pages long. I don't want to read the entire thing. I only, I highlighted some stuff. But the title of the article is Hyperinsulemic hypoglycemia after gastric bypass surgery. 
Hypoglycemia after Ruan-Y gastric bypass surgery is a rare yet challenging condition. Patients typically present with postpartinal hypoglycemia within one to five years after their surgery. For me, 10 months. Often after weight stabilization. Most concerning are the subset of patients who present with symptoms of neuroglycopenia, hypoglycemia. In these patients, it is felt to be due to an altered GLP response in, po- in the postpartum period. We're going to take a break. Don't go anywhere. I now present to you the Ranting Weight Watcher Accountability Creed. If you choose this day to say this creed, you are accountable to me, the author. You are also accountable to all of those before you who have taken the creed and all of those after you who will take the creed. But most of all, you are accountable to yourself. Now recite with me the accountability creed. Nothing can stand in my way because I choose to be unstoppable. My challenges crumble in my presence because I choose strength when I am weak. My insecurities have no power over my life because I choose confidence in the face of fear. I own every last one of my mistakes because I choose growth over mediocrity. The mirror and the scale are powerless because I move forward in spite of the result. Circumstances are not obstacles because I see solutions instead of problems. The demons of my past can no longer torment me because I choose to renew my mind daily. All things are possible as long as I believe because if God is for me, who can be against me? This is the creed I declare each day. It is about what I do, not what I say. I will learn the work that needs to be done. I will never stop, even when I've won. I will work consistently, no matter the cost. I refuse to believe that all hope is lost. I will work when I want to. I will work when I don't. I will work when they are cheering. I will work when they won't. I will work when it's easy. I will work when it's hard. The atonements that I've made are made with no regard. I will work when it's cold. I will work when it's hot. Because choices have consequences, justified or not. When I think I know it all, I will start back at one. Because regardless of what I think, the work is never done. And from this moment forward, when times are tough, I choose to believe that I am enough.
And we are back. Thanks for sticking with me. Hypoinsulinemic hypoglycemia after Ruan-Y gastric bypass was first described in 2005. I had my surgery in 2004. There were two independent groups. In the 10 years since, numerous articles have been written about this entity, all through mu- although much has been learned, our understanding of the etiology and optimum treatment has not been fully elucidated. Most patients with hyperinsulemic hypoglycemia after the gastric bypass present within one to five years after surgery, but it has been observed in patients within months postoperatively and as long as 20 years later. The typical patient develops hypoglycemia one to three hours after ingestion of a carbohydrate-containing meal and hypoglycemia is absent in the fasting state. Now, there are symptoms listed here of evidence of the fact that you have hypoglycemia. Sweating, numbness, tremors, hunger, heart palpitations, anxiety, confusion or altered mentation, blurred or double vision, fatigue or weakness, mood disturbance, emotional liability, presynecopal symptoms, or a coma. I have had the num- the sweating, numbness, my heart raced, I've had anxiety, tremors, confusion, blurred and double vision, fatigue and weakness, and maybe mood disturbance too. The other ones I don't really know that I've had. The article goes on to say, hypoinsulemic, hyperinsulemic hypoglycemia after gastric bypass, particularly with neuroglycemia, is a rare and difficult entity to treat. Although our understanding of the pathophysiology underlying this entity has advanced in in the 10 years since it was initially described, there are no evidence-based guidelines for this diagnosis and treatment at this time. Further research regarding the underlying mechanism driving hyperinsulemia in these patients is needed and will hopefully provide better therapeutic options. Early identification of patients with neuroglycopenia is warranted these patients may benefit from systematic intervention from dietary changes on up to surgical revision of the bypass in some references. At this point, after having the conversation with with Charlotte and reading this article, I went to a very dark place because very rapidly so many dots were connecting in my life 
and I was transported back in time to the very first instant that I ever experienced what hypoglycemia was. I was moving my mother from Stanford, Connecticut to Milford, Connecticut. In Milford, Connecticut, there is a famous restaurant that's famous for having 40 different flavors of pancakes. So we decided to go there for breakfast after driving the truck up from Stanford. I looked at the menu and saw the vast amounts of different pancakes. One of them intrigued me. The other ones were just outrageous. The one that intrigued me was sweet potato pancakes. So I'm thinking to myself, if this is anything like I think of it, technically it'd be like having the Thanksgiving sweet potatoes with just missing the marshmallows at that point. So I decided to get it. I taste it. It was the most unique pancake I've ever eaten in my life. And it was delicious. I'm not going to take away from it. It was absolutely delicious. Two hours after I finished that meal, I had my very first sugar crash. That day was approximately eight to 10 months post-op. In the article I just read to you, the symptoms present one year typically post-op. So I was just a little early. When I initially felt this, never once in my life did I ever think it was connected to the gastric bypass. I just said, well, what's wrong with me? I went to my regular doctor. It never occurred to him either that this had anything to do with gastric bypass. So I went to a different doctor because I never thought the gastric bypass was connected to the hypoglycemia. If I thought that, I would have went to the doctor that did the surgery. So what am I really telling you all this for? Here's the reality of how the bill came due for me. The reality is my inability to handle a relationship with food put me in a position to A, need gastric bypass surgery or die, B, get hypoglycemia because I got gastric bypass surgery. Now, one extra detail here is a symptom of having hypoglycemia is dry skin. And if you've been with me any amount of time here, you'll see over the past few episodes, I've been dealing with going to a dermatologist because my skin, I have sores all over my skin because I have gotten extremely itchy. And now I have sores on my legs, on my arms, on my stomach that get extremely itchy and they never heal. I have had these wounds on my body since December. 
And in my head, I connected it to a change in temperature at the time. In the winter in Florida, the temperature drops about 30 degrees and the humidity is just gone. So you go from living a land of constant humidity to a land of no humidity and it's 30 degrees cooler. Your skin instantly dries up. And so I assumed that my dry skin was because of the temperature drop. But maybe the temperature drop only added to my problem that I already had. My skin became so itchy that I started to break the skin. The wounds that came from the broken skin wouldn't heal. When I would itch more, I would get these little blisters that were filled with fluid. Those blisters would pop and the wound would get bigger and bigger and bigger. It has been a cycle that I cannot break. I am on my second dermatologist right now. And we're not exactly making headway. The wounds start to look like they're almost healed. Then more of those bubbles show up. They pop and they become a new wound. Sometimes the bubble shows up right on top of the old wound. Regardless of how it's happening, what's happening, they're not healing. The realization that legitimately I'm responsible for every bit of it. Now, you can say, Don, don't beat yourself up. You can't do that and all this stuff. It's not beating yourself up if it's just facts. This is the reality of everything I've listed out for you. I had an unhealthy relationship with food. That unhealthy relationship led me to need gastric bypass. Getting gastric bypass also brought with it hypoglycemia. Hypoglycemia also brought with it symptoms of dry skin, which I scratched, broke the skin, and now sores that will not heal. All of it stemming back to a poor relationship with food. All of these things are facts. I went to a very dark place, remembering very stupid incidents in my life. Very, very stupid things. I wanted the approval of people, of friends, people I wanted to be my friend. I wanted their approval. So I did stupid shit like stuff an entire slice of pizza in my mouth and say, hey, look what the fat guy can do. Look at me. Check me out. 
You know why? Because making fun of myself makes it so that no one else can make fun of me. Because who's going to jump in and make fun of you if you're already doing it? They're just going to join in and laugh. Stupidity. All through my life, stupid incidents just like this. All adding up. All of these stupid incidents were like buying stuff with a credit card. Buy here, buy there. Oh, I want this. This is going to make me happy. That's going to make me happy. Oh, here's some donuts. Let's make some my, myself happy. Here's some uh, leftover meatballs. We'll make, some ha- we'll make myself happy. Let's stuff an entire slice of pizza in my mouth. That'll make me happy. All of these things were purchases I made with my credit card in my life. I'm not talking about an actual credit card here. I'm talking about the life, my life, taking my health into my own hands and just treating it like shit. That's how the bill comes due. That stuff that I'm telling you about happened when I'm a teenager. I'm 45 years old. The bill is coming due now. What are you buying on credit? And what's going to happen when the bill comes due? Recently, I was in a workshop and the coach was asking for lifetimers to speak up and give advice. And give a, what would you say to someone who's still trying to lose weight? And this woman starts to talk. And she says, the scale doesn't rule my life anymore. I weigh myself every day. And then she says, I eat what makes me happy. Even her, someone who's considered a lifetime, still doesn't get it yet. Still doesn't get it. The core, the core problem of almost every single person who needs weight loss is the fact that we eat what makes us happy. The fact that food can make us feel any emotion is a cause of the problem. Comfort, 
sadness, happiness, guilt, shame, all of it. Every last bit of it. That's the problem. So many of us take better care of our car than we do of our own body. The car needs an oil change. You stop everything in your life to go get that oil change. Yet you eat what makes you happy. What if what makes you happy doesn't give you what your body needs? What if? You don't really care about that, do you? Because what you're eating makes you happy. Do you see this cycle? Don't you understand? This is why we need to remove emotions from food. We take better care of our pets than we do of our own bodies. Our pet needs something, the whole world stops to give the pet what it needs. If we need something, instead of giving our body what it needs, we do what makes us happy. And we never make the connection. Never! Instead, we go in circles over and over and over again. And then the bill comes due. And when it comes due, we say, why? Why me? Why not you? Why not me? I love each and every one of you. God bless you all.